Well, this, uh, this morning we're going to kick off a new series. We're beginning this new series called Bless This Mess. Um, how many of you have a mess in your life? Come on, lift them up, way up. How many of you have a mess in your life? You're amongst friends here, right? Um, bless this mess. Uh, if, if you have your journals uh, and, and you've, you've turned and, and looked ahead maybe a little bit over the next four weeks, uh, the idea here, the, the concept here, is that sometimes the close, closest relationships we have become the messiest. Would you, would you say that's true? Sometimes those that we spend the most time with, um, sometimes the, the ones that we're most relaxed with, uh, become the messiest in our lives. And um, they're sometimes the most difficult. But I think they can be the most fulfilling as well, that, that God has something for us in that if we can get through some of the messes that we find ourselves in. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, I, I found some, some interesting uh, statistics. I'm not going to give you a bunch of st statistics. Um, you, you can kind of read them. Uh, I, I found this great statistic that I think we should celebrate. Did you know that in the last like 10 years, the divorce rate in the United States is actually decreasing? Did you know that? Should we celebrate that? I mean, that's a good thing, right? Um, for years, uh, the, the concept, the thought has been that the divorce rate is about 50%. It's actually never really reached 50%. Some of the, the way that they did that statistic was a little misleading. Um, it, it, it approached that in the 80s, but then uh, it began, began to decrease just a little bit. So the divorce rate is actually decreasing, which is a good thing. Um, but there's some reasons for that. Uh, people are waiting longer to get married. And they say that, that people are generally a little bit more ready to get married than some who were young. How old were we when we got married? We were babies. Babies, yes. We were, I was 21. You were 22. 22 and yeah. 21. Now, um, <coughs> so the other day we were, uh, I, I, some, sometimes I chase rabbits. If you're new today, I'm going to chase a quick little <coughs> rabbit. We were at lunch the other day, and uh, we walked into the, to the, the restaurant, and we ordered. And it was a place where you order, and then you sit down, they bring it to you. And the guy at the front, he, he asked, now, is this together or separate? And we looked at each other like... And, and I started laughing. <laughs> and, and I said, well, we've been married for 20 years, so it better be together. <laughs> and um, he, he, said, he said, you've been married for 20 years? You look 20. And I'm like, you are my best friend. <laughs> like, I love you. I'm going to come back to the... I mean, it was a great way to bring people back to the restaurant. Like, I'm coming back to that restaurant for that, that one reason. Um, anyway... Uh, so the divorce rate's down, and, and one of the reasons people are waiting a little bit longer, they're, they're saying maybe people are a little bit more prepared as they enter into uh, marriage, but what they're finding is anxiety, stress, and depression is through the roof. <laughs> like, those rates are increasing dramatically in our, in our country. Now, how many of you would say that, that, that you have felt that increase in the context of your home? Stress, anxiety maybe some depression. Some of us don't want to raise our hands for that. But, but yeah, I mean, yes, like we, we, we can feel that. The, the number of things going on, the speed at which life happens. If you have kids in your home, you know this to be true. The number of places you need to be and where you need to get your kids, it's just anxiety, stress, and then depression oftentimes comes with that. So we want to talk about this uh, in, in, our, in our families, in our homes, in the most significant relationships how can we find blessing in the mess that we all realize? Mm -hmm. Now, um, I invited Robin to help me today. This is Robin. This is my wife of almost 20 years. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. 
I'm happy to be here and just to kind of piggyback on what Matt's saying. I hope that this goes without saying that we are not perfect, that we, I mean, we are a mess ourselves sometimes, you know, in our, we have a mess sometimes in our marriage and our parenting and our families and our relationships. But, you know, bottom line is that we desire God's blessing in our family and in our marriage and in our relationships. And that's what we strive for. Yeah. Um, so, so hear us. Um, sometimes, like, my, my title here is lead pastor. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the lead mess today, okay? <laughs> that, that's where I am. And, and so often, like, we are on this journey, and we desperately want to know God's blessing mm-hmm. in our marriage, in our parenting, um, eventually in our grandparenting. We're not there yet. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, but, but we desperately want God's blessing. We want to know what that means mm-hmm. in our lives. And so that's why I've invited Robin um, to, to join me. I think she has so much to add to this conversation. How many of you in the room would say that you desire God's blessing in your home? Mm-hmm. How many of you would say that? Yeah, yeah, all of us, right? Every single one of us want to experience God's blessing in our home. And so as we began to, to, to put this series together, we, we looked for that concept of God's blessing in, in Scripture, and, and we looked specifically with Jesus because here at McDowell and our other, you know, collective churches at Arcadia, we, we say this, that if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. everything. So we wanted to look at Jesus and the concept of blessing and see where he talks about blessing. And you know what? In Matthew, the first of the Gospels, Jesus kicks off his entire teaching ministry with the concept of blessing. He begins with what's called the Beatitudes. It's his most famous teaching in all of Scripture. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, you can open to it, or you can open your journals. You'll find it there. And it's this concept of blessing where Jesus says eight times in a row, blessed are, or you're blessed when, or God blesses those who. Now, this is, this is interesting um, blessed are, and this is what we want to talk about. This is the lens we're going to use for the next four weeks, this concept. And what we want to do is we want to zero in on just four of these blessings that Jesus declares, and we want to find out how can we experience this in the context of our homes, our marriage, our parenting, the, the, the closest relationships that we have. Or even, some of you are, are saying, well, I'm single. How does, how does this relate to me? I'm telling you, Stay with me, because even in singleness, I think these concepts of what Jesus says that blessed are, he's speaking to all of us. And, and so I want to invite you just to, just to stay with us as we work through, through these. Single, married, divorced, parents, grandparents, all of us can, can, can learn to take these and go just a little bit further. Um, the Beatitudes of Jesus. So he starts with this, this idea of blessing. And everything that he says in the Beatitudes is counterintuitive to what we would think as being blessed. It's, it's, it's counterintuitive, and, and Dallas Willard calls it the law of inversion. Like it's actually backwards from what we think it is. And I want to give you some pictures of this. I, I, uh, you guys know what hashtags are? Can, you, can everybody go, you know, hashtag? So hashtag blessed. I looked it up. I, I searched on Instagram, Facebook. I, I searched uh, on Twitter. I wanted to find out what the common thought of what it means to be blessed by God. Now, these are not going to surprise you, the pictures that you see. So here's the first one, hashtag blessed. This is the first picture, question mark, Lamborghini. (laughs) Now, let me ask again, how many of you want to be blessed by God? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is like hashtag blessed Lamborghini. Absolutely. Um, I would love it. Okay, so here's another one. Hashtag blessed Walt Disney World. Um, yeah, that's, that's, this is kind of what we think of as blessing. How many of you want to go to Disney World? Anybody want to go to Disney I actually think this is the opposite. I actually <laughs> think this is hashtag cursed. Like once, <laughs> once you get in, um, as a father like me, once you get in and, and pay the $13,000 to get <laughs> past the gate, and then you order hamburgers and hot dogs and Cokes, and the bill comes at $1,200, now you're... You're not feeling so blessed. Hashtag not blessed anymore. Um, okay, so here's another one. Hashtag blessed. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I admit I took this picture this week of, uh, in, in the mirror, <laughs> selfie of me, um, with, or maybe not. Hashtag blessed. Yes, um, I want that kind of blessing. Uh, and then one, one more. Hashtag blessed. Um, free Chick breakfast sandwich, sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Hashtag <laughs> blessed. And some of you are going to think about Chick-fil-A. And I did that on purpose because you can't get it today. So it's going to create this longing (laughs) until tomorrow. Um, So so this is our, this is, this is just a glimpse of what the world says blessing looks like. Now, what's interesting about this to me, we can't go back to the first century and look at hashtags and pictures, but the Israelites, God's people, had this same concept when it came to blessing. They believed that blessing was outwardly evident. Like if God blessed you, others would know it. This concept that if I have a lot, if I do certain things, it must mean that I'm blessed by God. So we're not that far off from what they they really believed in the first century. So Jesus shows up with this radical teaching, this, this unbelievable manifesto, and he actually proclaims, this, this, this idea of the Beatitudes is a proclamation before it gives us any instruction. It's this proclamation of who's in and who's out. I think Scott McKnight, I think I have a quote here from Scott McKnight um, that talks about this radical manifesto that Jesus makes. Maybe I don't, yeah, there it is. The Beatitudes are a radical manifesto of a kingdom way of life because Jesus reveals through these statements who's in and who's not. And it's a reversal of what we think what we commonly think in this world as being blessed by God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not beating up on Instagram or, or, or Twitter because, really, God blesses us in many ways, doesn't he? So I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not God's blessing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not beating up on you if you've, if you've done hashtag blessed and, and put something like that. I'm simply saying that, that what Jesus calls blessed looks very different than what is most commonly understood as blessed in our world today. And that's what we want to dig into, this, this concept. Now, the, the, the question is, what does blessed mean? And, and I did a, some research. We, we talked a lot about it, looked through Scripture. And here's an, here's an understanding, maybe a working definition for us over the next couple of weeks. So this is kind of foundational for the next few weeks. That blessed, being blessed means that we've been gi- given by God joy, peace, and fulfillment, regardless of the external circumstances of our lives. So, so it's the concept of this joy, this God-given joy, peace, and fulfillment, regardless of what is going on out here in our lives. Are you with me? Are you, are you with me? This, this understanding, when, when Jesus says, blessed are, or, or blessed is the one, what he's saying is that this person in some way lives with this peace, this joy, this fulfillment that can only come from God, and it has nothing to do with the circumstances which surround us. Are you, are you with me? 
Yeah, so this is, this is what it means when Jesus says blessed. Now, some of your Bible translations, if you're looking in your Bible, you might find the word happy, which is, which is just too shallow of a word. The, the, the concept of happy are what Jesus then says, it's just too shallow of a world, word. So we want to talk about this joy, this peace, this fulfillment, regardless of circumstances in life. Okay, so are you ready to jump in? That's the foundation for the series. That's where we're going. And today, I think, is one of the most important, and it's the one that Jesus starts with. It's the first one that he says. And, and here's, here's what he says. This is his declaration. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. And another way to say that is that they realize their need for God. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. They realize their need for God. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Yeah, you know, I, I love to read the message paraphrase. And I love the way um, that the message speaks this verse. And it says, um, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. And I love that because I think so many of us have been to the end of our rope and felt like we're almost empty. And when we're empty, there's room for God to give us his peace and his presence um, and his fulfillment. Yeah, let's, let's say that first line together. Are you ready? Here we go. You're, you're blessed, blessed when, when you're, you're at the, the end, end of, of your, your rope. rope. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Now that is counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, that, that goes against the grain of what we believe to be true, that, that you're blessed when there is nothing left to hold on to, when there's nothing else there, when you have no way of taking another step, that's when you're blessed. Isn't that counterintuitive? Yeah. Doesn't that go against what we think to be true? No, no, if God blesses me, then I have a way to go forward. We, we think that if we're blessed, we actually aren't in desperation. We, we, we aren't desperate for something, but... We, we, we kind of joked about, what if Instagram, what if, you know, blessed was, I just lost my job today and declared bankruptcy, hashtag blessed. You know, like... <laughs> I didn't find that yeah. one this week. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the concept of you're blessed when you're at, at the end of your rope, and, and I, I don't love talking about Greek and, and all of that, but the concept here is, is literally the word empty. It's empty. You're, when you're, you're blessed when you're empty, which is a radical idea of what it means to be blessed. You're, you're blessed when you're empty. Um, a couple years ago, uh, it's been a number of years now, um, Robin, her, her schedule and her rhythm of, of day changed. Robin was a night owl when, when we met. She stayed up so late at night, and it drove me crazy because I'm an early morning person. How many or early morning people do we have? How many of you are up before 6 a.m.? Well, now I am. Yes. <laughs> um, how many of you are nighttime people? Okay, now, now this, is, this is an interesting. How many of you are married to the opposite? <laughs> that, look around. That is crazy, isn't it? That we, like, opposites really do attract, and that's what happened, and, and it caused a mess um, early on. But a few years ago, Robin, Robin's um, pattern changed just a little bit. And I noticed that she started getting up earlier and earlier in the morning, which was uncommon for her. Um, I felt like she wasted most of the day because she got up at 7. And, um, but it started changing, and in the midst of our parenting, something else started changing. And this is, she really led us as a family into a new pattern that I think is, is, is a reflection of this concept of end of your rope. So share that a little bit of that with us. Yeah. Um, so like Matt said, several years ago, I just, I found my place, myself in a place of um, just 
kind of emptiness. You know, we have three boys who we love so very much, but they're kind of spread out. So at the time we had a two-year-old and we had a a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old. And so I was trying to chase a toddler and a middle schooler, you know, like it just was so much. And um, I started realizing that I I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't know how to lead our family as as a mom and um, parent well in all these three different sections and be the wife that Matt needs and be the friend that I want to be. And I just, I, I, I just was at a loss and I I felt empty. I felt, I really did kind of feel like I was at the end of my rope, um, not knowing what to do. And I realized my friends couldn't really help me. My, you know, I called my parents. Well, they, they can't take away this emptiness that I'm feeling. And even Matt couldn't really deliver me from this anxiety that I was feeling. That was a hard thing to hear, (laughs) but I couldn't fix. I wanted to fix the problem, but I couldn't fix it. And I really felt like I just had one thing left, and that was to pray and to open my Bible. And so I did. I opened my Bible, and I remember I stumbled upon James 1, 5 through 6. And in my Bible, it's a parallel Bible where I have the NIV and I have the message side by side. And so when I really don't understand what the NIV is saying, I kind of look over at the message paraphrase. It really helps me kind of understand what I'm reading and um, maybe a different perspective a little bit. And so this verse says um, on James 1, 5 through 6, in the message paraphrase, says, if you don't know what you're doing. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. And it just caught me. It captured me. And it said, pray to the Father. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do because everything else isn't working. And it said, pray to the Father because he loves to help. He loves to help us and we'll get his help and won't be condescended to when we ask for it. And so I, I just was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. So I kept skimming. You know, I went on through James. I just found so much hope in that verse. So I kept reading. And in James um, 4, 8, it says, it's so simple. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I mean, it, it's so basic. And I was so desperate for God's peace and his presence and wisdom in how I was living my life. And, um, and so I just, I, I thought, okay, if I come near to God, if I pray, and then a couple of verses down in James 4.10, this is all in the message paraphrase. It says, get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. And I wanted to be on my feet. I didn't want to live in this empty feeling of this, I don't know what I'm doing feeling. And so this began my journey of drawing near. And um, I just, like, of of really seeking God first in everything, you know, instead of going to my friends and I don't know what to do. And it was just stopping and putting God first. And so I I just felt like I'm going to take God at his word. You know, like, his promises are true. And so I... Just, just to get a feel, how many of you have ever found yourself in a position in a relationship where you felt like, I just have no idea what to do next? Has any, have you ever found yourself in that place in a marriage, in parenting, or parenting your parents when you hit that stage of then parenting, you know, all of that place, and you hit that place where you're like, I just have no idea, and you look for help in so many different places, and we, like Robin said, we're trying to parent in three different places, and l- let me just be the first to say it is difficult as a man to admit that I can't fix, nor do I know what to do next. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult to come to that place. 
And, and I'll have to say, Robin really led the way and, and helped, God used her to help humble me in, into this same, this same path. So yeah. it, this was your journey yeah. of drawing near so to God. So this yeah. night owl <laughs> became an early bird and I started setting my alarm for six o'clock in the morning and I would make coffee the night before to, so I could smell it when I woke up that I might get out of bed. <laughs> um, and so I would get my little cup of coffee and I would have my journal and my Bible. And are you all familiar with Jesus Calling, the little devotional? And it's just a little half-page devotional with some verses at the bottom. And so I just started reading that and finding so much hope, really. And then I would read the verses. And when those verses would speak to me, I would just write it down in my journal. And then I would kind of write a little prayer of, God, I don't know what I'm doing today. Connor has this, and I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just praying to you and trusting that you're going to lead me. And so um, I, over time, I started looking back and reading through my journal and seeing God's faithfulness, even looking back over my life and seeing how he's led and directed me, um, but seeing his faithfulness through these really hard moments. And I just built this solid foundation of trust. I began to really trust God in, in my decisions, in, in, in my prayers, trusting that he would lead me. You know, there's so many times I'm driving down the street and if you see me, you probably see me talking to myself saying, I trust you, Jesus. I literally say it out loud because it's kind of my, my next breath, you know. And so um, I, I, I just, I felt like his faithfulness, his trustworthiness is what really got me through that, um, that hard time. And I know that he won't let me go. And I found rest and I found peace in those moments of my desperation. You know, I, I learned that God keeps his promises. And there's a great verse for that one too. And it's um, Hebrews 10, 23. And it's, let's keep a firm grip on his promises that keep us going because, and this is my favorite part, that God always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. Now, so the, I want to tie this together, this, this concept. If this, this concept of God always keeps his word. Well, what was the verse that, that Robin just mentioned before that from, from James? It was, if you draw near to him, what's he going to do? He's going to draw near to you. The promise that God makes is, if you will turn back and draw near, then I will draw near to you. God says that to be true. And then this verse in Hebrews that I think is so powerful, I think you're right, this God always keeps his word. That's a place for amen, right? Mm -hmm. God always keeps his word. He never goes back on his promises. And this, I mean, this was the, this was the it journey. Just, and, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, so you'd think that I had that in, in my mind as I was going through these dark moments, but I didn't. And this gave me life, you know, that I, he promises to go before us. He promises to be with us. He promises that he'll never leave us. And God always keeps his word. And so he did help me when I asked for help. And he did draw near when I did, you know, and he did um, put me back on my feet. You know, those verses in James, when I began to get really serious. Um, so this idea of, you know, hashtag blessed and Matthew um, 5, 3, where it's, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Well, I really did feel like I was at the end of my rope and I really did find God at the end of my rope. And okay. so I, I do feel blessed in that. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just parenting. I mean, let's... No, be, it was, I honest. mean, it was life. It's this yeah, too. Yeah. Like this isn't always easy. And usually it's my fault. I mean, I, I can True. admit that. No. <laughs> but, but, 
But marriage, marriage isn't an easy thing. Amen? <laughs> right. And, and so we all have to come to a place because it's new for all of us. We've never been on the journey before. We all have to come to a place where we acknowledge, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm doing. Now, on top of that, we all carry the baggage of, of what we were handed as children as well. And that's nothing to, you know, to, to speak against parents, but we all pass on to our children something. We're all passing something on to them. We always wonder what difficult. we're passing on to our we, kids. Yeah, we're always like, <laughs> should we save for college or should we save for uh, counseling. counseling? Which one is, is most important for our kids yeah. in the future? Because we know that we're, we're, we're passing on some unhealthy things. One, one of the things for me, um, and you've, you've heard me talk about this. Anger has been a difficult thing for me to, to overcome. I just, there, there are times I just get, I get angry. Are there any men who could admit to being angry with me? Angry no. with you? No, no, don't, don't, don't nudge your spouse. Just like admit it. Um, um, that's, been, that's been tough for me. And it's, it's had ramifications for our marriage. Have you ever said something that you wish you could take back? <laughs> I never have, but some of you maybe have. Um, um, you, you say things to your parent or your, your kids at times that you, you wish, like you go to your room later that night and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. Like, I wish I could get that back. And we come to a place where we have to say, God, I, I can't fix it. I, I don't know what to do next. And I have to trust you. And I have to draw near to you. Um, Robin's journey was, was instrumental for me as well because I saw her getting up drinking coffee. Now, I'm an early riser anyway, but what she probably began to see is that when she sat down with her journal and her Bible, like I sat opposite of the room with, with my, um, I don't really journal, I'm terrible at journaling, but my Bible and my highlighter, and, and we began to do this kind of together, but silently, you know, like across the room, kind of together, but and it has created more of a bond for us that we know that we're seeking God. We know that we're trusting Him rather than us. And we hope that rubs off a little bit on mm -hmm. our kids at some point. Um, I heard Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels is a pastor up in, in uh, Chicago. I, I heard him, he, he made this statement about prayer. He said, if I've learned anything about prayer, it's that desperation drives discipline. If I've learned anything about prayer, it's that desperation drives discipline. I, I, I really like that thought because many of us view prayer or journaling or Bible study as a discipline that we just have to do. But if we kind of turn, turn it just a bit and realize that when we are desperate for God to speak into our lives, those things just become disciplines of our lives. They're not hard to do because we know that that's where life comes from. That's where God's breath comes from, is in moments of prayer and journaling. That's one of the reasons the journal has been important to us this year to get that out to, to, to our congregation. We want people to get in the rhythm of chair time, 10 to 15, 20 minutes a day, where you just sit with God and, and you allow him to breathe into you. Um, I came across this. this is, I think this is, this, this is funny. Um, I, I think in our world, it, it's a common thought that God helps those who help themselves. Have you ever heard that before? God helps them. Hashtag, that's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And, and what Jesus is saying right here is that, that God helps those who admit that they need his help. That's who God helps. That's the kind of marriages that he steps into. That's the parenting that he steps into. That's the, the messes that, that God wants to get involved in. Not those who just try to figure it out on their own, but those who acknowledge, God, we need you above all else. 
um, I, I, I like to paraphrase every now and then scripture to help me like own it. And um, so th- this is my paraphrase of this is blessed are those who are empty. Blessed are those who are empty and come to God to be filled for they have stepped into the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? They have stepped into the kingdom of heaven. They've stepped into a place where God can mark out their path in a new way. They've stepped into the rule and the reign of God, the joy and the peace and the fulfillment of God. Blessed are the empty who come to God to be filled. So I want you to think for a moment. What is one relationship in your world right now that you desperately need God to bless the mess that you're in. One relationship. Just, just think of one. Uh, don't nudge anybody. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't write their name down right now, but just, just think for a moment. Where do you desperately need God's breath to enter in and bring life to you? In, in a relationship, a messy relationship. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking and praying through, for those who are single, um, where is it that, that you need God to provide something that you haven't found yet? And would that drive you, des- that desperation drive you to seek God in a new way so that you might feel his joy and his peace and his fulfillment? Um, I, I think the 12 Steps program is a tremendous outline in so many different ways. And so I want to I show you the first of the, the 12, the first three of the 12 steps. Uh, we admitted we were powerless. Have you, have you heard this? We admitted that we were powerless. Uh, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. This, this concept of, of we began to believe. Now, um, I know this, this concept of power capitalized that there's this, the 12 steps began as a Christian pursuit. And so, you know, I think that, that God is all over this, this concept. And then we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to him, to God, and trust him to breathe life into us in a way that we can't in ourselves. Now, I think this is an outline for us today, what it means to come to God, to admit we're powerless, that we're empty, to believe that he can do something that we can't do on our own, right? And then to turn our will over to him, so that he might lead us, the kingdom of heaven might lead us in a new direction. Does that make sense? So here's the little outline um, that matches it. So finding God's blessing in our marriage, our parenting, our families, our singleness, all of that, admit our weakness and our need. Like admit to God. Come before him and and just simply admit it. God, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, Turn back to him and ask for his help. God, I need you. Not not just I, I don't know what I'm doing, but God, now I need you. To, to do something that I can't do myself. I can't fix this. I don't know where to turn next. And then trust and follow the wisdom that, that he gives us. Does that make sense? Um, we're we're going to today close with, with a song that just simply says, uh, Lord, I need you. It, it's this repetitive song. Um, it's, it's an older song, but it's just this statement of, of Lord, I need you. And um, I, I want us to, to have a moment, some moments where, where maybe uh, we, we, ha- we have an opportunity to do what we've been talking about, to admit that we need God, to admit our weakness, our emptiness, our brokenness.
And um, you can do that in a few different ways. Over on this side of the stage, there's this cross. And if you've been here for a while, you, you know that people often come to this, this area and write notes and put it up, pin it up on the cross, and that's their way of turning that over to God. Well, maybe today you want to come and write um, a relationship, something in your home that's broken or something that you just don't know where to go next. And, and so maybe you just want to write down a name or just my family or my marriage or my parenting and just pin it up on the cross. And this week, um, our staff will take these and, and pray over all of them. So maybe today this is, is your response. In the back of the room, there's some candles. And in the Bible, light represents God's presence. Uh, it's this, this understanding that God is present wherever there is light. And so maybe there's darkness in one of your relationships. And so maybe you want to light a candle and ask God's presence to be there. That God's presence would enter in and give you life in that place. And then maybe for, for some of you, it's just simply singing this song. And um, I, let's, in fact, let's stand together. I, I want to... I want to give you some freedom to do something that we're oftentimes uncomfortable with. Um, in the Bible, there are well over 20 uh, references of lifting hands to God. This isn't about denominations or worship preferences or anything like that. The, the Bible just clearly speaks that lifting your hands to God um, acknowledges your need for Him, your dependence on Him. There are some who, you know, have this posture of, of open hands like this that represent, God, I need you. I need something that I don't have. And so I want to give you the freedom as we sing this song to lift your hands to God in a posture of dependence, of need, of stating, God, I desperately want to turn to you because I don't have this figured out. I, I can't do it on my own. Before we do that, I simply want to ask you, how many of you today are thinking of a relationship? How many of you need God? You're empty. You don't know what's coming next. You don't know what to do next. How many of you need God in a specific relationship in your life? Would you, would you just slip your hand up? Yeah. Yeah. Tell God. Tell God. Draw near to him, and he promises he'll draw near to you. Get in that rhythm of daily telling him you need him. So, Father God, as we raised our hands in this place today, we, we recognize, we acknowledge that we need you. We're empty. Some of us are at the end of our rope, desperately desperately longing for something that we don't have. So God, in these moments, as we turn back to you, as we declare our dependence, our need for you, I pray that you would be true to your word, that you would draw near to us. I, I pray that you would breathe life into these relationships, whether it's parenting or marriage or singleness or dating. God, breathe life where there is no life. Bring light where there is only darkness. We need you this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. <clears throat>